Hey guys, it's Ryan. And Ashley. From Ruining Our Childhood. In case you forgot because you're listening to this episode right now. Yes. And, you know, we don't get our ads played during other podcasts. Uh, we just wanted to remind you that we're coming up on our 20th episode extravaganza. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be a Q&A episode. Yes. We're going to answer your questions that you <laughs> that have just been burning in your brain about me and Ryan. Go ahead and just DM us on Instagram at Ruining Our Childhood or... And we're on Facebook at Ruining Our Childhood. Yes. And just let us, you know, just ask whatever question you want to ask. Yeah. When did we meet? How yeah. did we meet? Yeah. Who are we? What are, what, what what are you are we doing, doing for here? a living? Yeah. Uh, what are our favorite oh, movies? Where am I? What is our least favorite movie yeah. ever? Just, yeah, go ahead. What, Throw in what do we like outside of movies, maybe? Yeah. If you want to know. If you don't want to know, then that's fine, too. Yeah. If what? you guys don't, we'll just, like you said, we'll, we'll do some generic questions. But we would really like you to send us some questions our way. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you want to know about me and Ryan. Enjoy the rest of the episode, guys. Bye. Bye. A group of male friends become obsessed with five mysterious sisters who are sheltered by their strict religious parents at suburban Detroit in the mid-1970s. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Ruining Our Our Childhood. A weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is what this podcast is about. (laughs) And if you're just joining us, hi, my name's Ashley. Ryan. We already covered that. Yep. Sometimes we like to recover it just in case you weren't listening. In case you're just listening at work and you're not... You missed the intro. Yeah. You're not actually listening. You're working, but then you just need to have somebody yapping in your ear for so what know, i do like a calming effect gets me through my day yeah, yeah. it does Helps anyway we're married yep we started this podcast we watch movies it's kind of the basis of our early days yeah dating days dating days we'd get together watch a movie that's true that's what we did which that's... some of these movies that we're reviewing i feel like we haven't watched since those days that's true <laughs> which would have been uh, about 12 years ago Today we are doing one of my personal favorites as a teenager, The Virgin Suicides, starring uh, Kirsten Dunst. That's the only person I'll say because I don't want to ruin any of the, well, hello there, Shoya. Well, hello there. It came out in 1999, so it's a 1999 classic, but as Ryan mentioned... Yeah, the it was released on May 19th, 1999, which was at the Cannes Film Festival. Right. And then it actually didn't get a wide release in the United States until April 21st of 2000. But we're going to go with the 99 date. Sure. So tell us about 1999. Uh, first thing about the movie, it was made for a budget of $6.1 million. And it grossed $10.4 million. Uh, It's notable because it was uh, Sofia Coppola's first directorial Correct. movie. Mm-hmm. Big shows in 99, 60 Minutes, The Practice... Touched by an Angel in the always popular Law and Order. Dun dun. Sorry. Just the original. Just the original, yeah. This was a pre SVU. I think SVU actually came out in ninety nine. Oh, okay. Well, but popular. the fall. Yeah. Obviously. People were rolling with the Jerry Orbach. Yeah, stuff. I mean he is amazing. So yeah. Popular songs were Livin' La Vida Loca by nice. Ricky Martin. If You Have My Love by Jennifer Lopez. And Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. Awesome. Beyonce and the Supremes. <laughs> <laughs> Popular movies. The Matrix, Tarzan, and Big Daddy. we done multiple movies from 1999, so I tried to pick ones that were lower down the list. Right. And I'd just be like, hey, The Phantom Menace was popular in Toy Story 2. And everyone's right. like, yeah, you told us that three times, douchebag. Because we've up. done like four movies from 1999. Yeah. It was a good year. It was a good year. It was a prime of my life. I was 13. That's. <laughs> it's funny because like the website that I always use for like the top tens, mm-hmm. uh, they have a little thing like below... Uh, the TV shows they have popular music artists, and there's some dandies on here. Bewitched. Yes. Faith Evans. Sure. Deborah Cox. 
and everyone's favorite, particularly Tom Haverford, Ja Rule. That's true. Yeah. So. That's true. 99 was a good year. Bewitched. I feel like they did a guest spot on like Sabrina or something. That sounds correct. There's nothing in the dates. I, we don't really talk about TV on here that much, mm-hmm. except for when we mention some of our favorite shows, but nothing dates a, a movie or a TV show like having a one hit wonder Sometimes guest it's star. not even a hit. They were like a top They're Like 40. somebody is trying to push them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's well, pushing them. and That one that was on Boy Meets World. Yes, because I just watched that episode not that long ago. Yeah. They were like the truck stop. Yeah. Oh, uh, who were they? So No Angel or Nobody's Angel? Somewhere? Somebody like that, yeah. yeah. Some Somebody band that never had a hit. Never heard of them. Barely scratched yeah. probably the billboard. Yeah. But I remember the song. So this movie, for me, we'll just go straight into it. Mm -hmm. I watched it on Showtime for the first time. Showtime always had the more independent movies, I feel like, versus HBO. HBO had the mainstream blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah. And Showtime got whatever was in the bottom of the barrel. And then independent films, I feel Mm -hmm. like. This movie, I was really interested in because I like Kirsten Dunst. She was one of my favorite actresses when I was younger because she was in Little Women. I love Little Women. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, Interview with a Vampire. I thought yeah. she was amazing. Even that movie scared me as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's just one maybe we should rewatch because well, I don't it think... it has two of my favorites. One, Bradley Pittman, and one, <laughs> Thomas Jackson Cruz. Bradley Pittman. That is his actual I know, but it's name. just funny. Cause... <laughs> Love my Brad Pitt. Anyway, I remember watching this movie and thinking, just being amazed with how dark it is and... I think I was kind of obsessed with it because it was people my age going through all these really deep emotional things. Mm -hmm. And I just think the way it was done, I read the book. I got so obsessed with it. I read the book. I loved it. And then once I could afford to buy the DVD, I bought the DVD. I've rewatched it a couple times, but I probably haven't seen it in a good 10 years at least. That sounds about right. I don't remember. I remember, I think I showed it to you. Yeah. Because it was one of my favorite movies. So, yeah. For me, it was a movie I remember hearing about. Mm -hmm. I would say this is when more independent movies were getting some more, a little bit of press behind them. Like, now, independent movies can do quite well. Yeah. Because the internet. And also, it seems like, like in this case, Kirsten Dunst was becoming a fairly decent star in Hollywood. And she was doing a smaller movie. Yeah. Doing more of an artsy film. And like you said, I Kirsten Dunst was someone that I was familiar with going back to Jumanji. 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 I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was That's the, another movie. That, and then I remember the straight to uh, video Tower of Terror that she did with I never Steve saw that. Gutenberg, which I, I, fun fact about Ryan, total Disney, Disney nut. Yes. Down to the fact he's wearing a Walt Disney World shirt right now. And he's talking to him about himself in third person. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it was a movie based around one of my favorite rides. So I, I watched it. It had, had the Goots and, the Goots. and Kirsten Dunst. But I did not see this movie until you showed it to me. It was a movie I had heard about. Friends watched it, but I never saw it. And then you showed it to me a few years ago. Not a few years ago, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I remember enjoying it and thinking it was very dark because where I went to school, we had a very religious leaning uh sector i don't want to dime out their religion but they were ultra conservative i had friends that could tell you how many times they had soda in their life well now how many times they cussed now you know who who so this probably wasn't far off for some of my friends parents yeah i don't really remember a lot of the movie i remember the the ending Mm -hmm. obviously but it it's just one of those things that stuck with me Mm -hmm. like 15 16 you don't I don't know, your world is so rainbows and sunshine still a little bit. I mean, if you're lucky, if you've had a good life and you've had a good family support system and stuff, you're you're still a kid. Yeah. So then you see something like this and you're just like, what the fuck? I was just really into it and I felt really deep. I was going through that, I'm cooler than the other girls because I'm into independent films. and that. So this was definitely one of those movies I latched onto because of that. I don't watch Star Wars. I watch independent movies. Yeah. I watch the IFC channel. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't think we had the IFC channel. I, if we did, I did not watch it. Yeah, it might not have even I been think they had thing. Sundance for a while. 
Yeah. My parents were always moving around their, their cable to try to get the best deal. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because once you're out of that promo period, they kill you on the bill. Cable companies. <sighs> Cut Wanna... the cord, folks. Yeah. Cut it. It's it's useless. It really is. I mean, we don't have it anymore. It's no. annoying. So, what else do we have to do? Uh, Who are we? What's going on? What is this thing? A microphone? Do you think this movie will hold up? Yes. Because I think the general plot of the movie is still something that's relatable. There's It's something that has gone on recently with shows like 13 Reasons Why, which I, I, I really wonder if this movie was made today, if people would put up the amount of fight that they put up with 13 Reasons mm-hmm. Why. In a way, this kind of glorifies it, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it glorifies it quite as much. I really like 13 Reasons Why, by the way. But I don't think it glorifies it. I think it... Brings it attention to it? Yeah, it brings attention to something that is an actual issue that we as a society try to pretend doesn't exist. Right. Or or that kids don't have any reason to feel yeah. depressed or have exactly. anxiety or anything like that. You're like, not an adult yet. You don't have a reason to have depression. Yeah. Like, that's the way society Or feel it. like you don't want to live in this world. It's stupid exactly. that we treat children like that, but also it's stupid how I feel like we didn't really grow up in a bubble, but I feel like they're trying to shield kids from way too much. I think it should be a good balance of mm-hmm. making sure kids know what the real world's like or what, what it's like if, if they have issues that they can be addressed. They don't have to ignore them mm-hmm. versus just... No, everything's fine and everything's perfect and the world's perfect. And when you go out into the world as an adult, things get handed to you. Yeah. And I don't know. Exactly. I agree with that, though. I don't blame any parent that does that, by the way, because uh, the world's pretty depressing sometimes. So No, that's why I say it, but it should be a balance. It it should be, but like I said, I, I don't blame anybody. Hey, you do you, parents. But I digress. I do think this will hold up. Hold up. Just based solely on the fact that it deals with issues that are always going to be timeless. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to hold up. I, I, from what I remember, it had a good cast for the life of me. I can't remember who's in it. So I think the acting quality will be good because I think that can sometimes drag down a movie if you have someone in there who's overacting and reading their lines like an idiot. Yeah. But I don't think that really was something that was happening here. So I think it's going to hold up. I, I agree with you. Everything you said that it's a very real issue that they're talking about. Yeah. So I think it's going to hold up. And I, I feel like this episode's going to be real depressing. Real dark. But we'll try to keep it light. Yeah. We'll make we jokes. Do. We're going to make fun of their eight track player. Yeah, that's true. And it is set in the 70s. Yeah. And as we know, having watched movies set in different eras, they really have to make sure you know yeah. the time yeah. it's set. And if it's Detroit, they got to show you like a car factory. So I'm you sure know they will. it's Detroit. Yeah, God. Of course. It's <laughs> what I want. And you... hey, if there's bad acting, we'll point it out. Are you going to just hate this movie because it's set in Detroit? Mm, there's a part of me that will. <laughs> you're already biased yeah. against it yeah. i don't know why they film movies in canada i don't know yeah canada's not bad why i feel bad for canada when you Ref- call i the just michigan canada exactly and if anybody's from michigan know that ryan is from cleveland and he's just you know, you know what it is right yeah. you know that yeah, exactly the whole michigan ohio state thing if you don't it happens if you live in michigan and don't know then what why don't you know? I, don't... I think everyone knows. Everyone that I've ever met from Michigan is quick to uh, bust out some Ohio State jokes. It's what we do. Yeah. And you know what? I actually, everybody I've ever met from Michigan has actually been a really good person. I just like to make the jokes. They're, they're all not good people. They're not like tentacle people? and. No, they're human. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because the way you talk about them. They're good peeps. You're <laughs> Where can this movie be found for streaming purposes? It looks like, according to Google, you can rent it on all the other channels that I've talked about. Vudu, YouTube, Amazon Prime, Google Play, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But also, it says it's free on some sort of channel called Tubi. Oh. Or Tubi. 
T-U-B-I? Um, I've never heard of it, and if it's something that's like a thing, then I'm sorry. I'm old and I have no clue. But when you click on it, it takes you to the Virgin Suicides page, and it says for free, so I wonder if I hit watch now if it will just let me watch it, or if I have to sign up. I probably have to register. Yeah, you probably got to give them your credit card and all Um, that stuff. I don't know. It just says watch now for free, and there's a bunch of random movies. I'm going to their their front uh... page. I don't know if you can get it on... I don't know Looks if they like have commercials uh, and stuff on there. Either. You can but... download it on Amazon Fire, like a Fire Stick or Roku. Oh, okay. And your phone. So, hey. so shout out to the T U B. To B. To B. Or to buy. I don't know. Hmm. So check that out if you need a place to find this movie. Or be a cool kid and own it on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. Assuming Do that too. Um. So we'll go ahead and hit that pausey pause right now, pause-y and we're gonna pause. go watch. The Virgin Suicides. Be back in a minute. Okay. And we just finished watching The Virgin Suicides. And we're going to go ahead and break down our movie like we always do. Sounds like Rupert's trying to come down the hall to break it down with us. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and uh, get our record player going. And we're going to play some music to talk to each other and talk about some technology. That was a good one. Yeah. I like that scene. Yeah, it's a good scene. It showcases a lot of 70s music, but mm-hmm. then also just kind of shows how both of the groups of the boys and the girls kind of bond. Yeah. But And it's also interesting like how the songs they are playing literally could convey a conversation yeah so it's really well done did you notice what pieces of technology did you notice in it i noticed a lot of box televisions of course i think we talk about those all the time because it would be crazier if we watched a movie that was made in 99 (laughs) set in 74 and they had like a flat screen yeah what what are you doing um but the mr libs libsden's Libsyn's TV. I, I shouldn't know how to say that name because I'm probably going to be saying it a lot. <laughs> their TV in their house was wood pat- paneling, mm-hmm. which was amazing. What else did you see? I noticed the TV, like, it's kind of what to expect, and corded phones that they're using, and just the radio. Like, for you know, nothing jumps really out. I mean, yeah, what do you expect? A TV with some dials on it. Yeah. But it's also, I don't, it would be more interesting to see a piece of technology that we don't still have. That's true. Like the, that's kind of something. The only one I saw that I could even remotely say was super outdated was the camera that Mr. Lisbon was using to take pictures of the girls uh, during the homecoming dance mm-hmm. or before they left for the homecoming dance. It was a, I don't even know what kind of camera it was. It was really flat. Yeah. Uh, I just think it was, I'm sure there's a technical term for that type of camera, but it, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So. Because that's always the thing that always kind of fascinates me. I'm like, we still have record players. I mean, uh, the radio that uh, the boys had attached to the record player was like something that like my great grandparents would have had. It was yeah. very old. That I'm like, people really don't have anymore. I don't know that people really listen to like a radio in their house anymore. Like a true radio. I'm talking like they're listening to an FM channel. That's a good good point. Because <laughs> I think like, yeah, we, we have a Alexa and we have her play music. We have a record player. We listen to music. I remember as a kid, my mom would always be listening to like a true FM radio in the morning. I, I would. I remember in the morning getting dressed. There was a time period. It was in eighth grade. I was obsessed with listening to the radio because they always had this contest mm-hmm. where they'd mash two songs together and if you called and said the name of the songs and the artist then you won a prize yeah and i was obsessed with winning it and i finally won it one day what'd you two, win two tickets to a home and garden show oh. <laughs> and a bag of coffee from someplace well the coffee would have been nice but that's like, i was 13 though was i didn't say, really care yeah so you're 13 you're like i don't drink this and i don't want to go to a home and it garden was just show. That I got to be on the radio, 
and that I I won something. Yeah. I was super excited. And a bunch of kids listened to that. So when I got to school that day, people were like, we heard you on the radio. It's so awesome. That so, is yeah. like a lame prize aside. <laughs> like, that's cool as shit. You won a radio contest. Yeah, I, I was pretty excited. I was driving home last week listening to the uh, radio and they were giving away like four tickets to the baseball game and if you call her number 10 and I was like, well, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't win. Still it's so much won. easier to do now because you put the radio station's phone number in your phone mm-hmm. and just hit yeah. call. Call. Whereas, like back in the day, you're like six two three do 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 every single time. Well, you could hit re- redial, but yeah, you could call ahead of time and then just so when the boom redial. Yeah, boom, which yeah. I is I think I what I did. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Back to <laughs> talking about the Virgin Suicides. The other one I noticed was. Uh, Lux's, who is Kirsten Dunst's character's Mm -hmm. record collection, and her mom is making her burn them, which is not very responsible. And in an enclosed space, burn all these records. Yeah. Um, The amount of smoke that was coming out the front door. When I saw the mom doing that, like, you gotta get ready to rock records, because that's what's ruining you. mm -hmm. And I just thought about how, when we were growing up, when this movie was made, society... Like to, to blame Marilyn Manson for everything. Yeah, music, it's rock music and video games. Yes. Are the cause of any Grand bad Theft thing Auto in your child. And Marilyn Manson were ruining America's youth. Don't believe me? Go ask any parent. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know, it's freaking ridiculous. And I'll say this, like, about Marilyn Manson, he's a strange guy, but that guy handled that burden that was oh, yeah. put on him by a lot of parents very well yeah and uh pretty classy too like he never was like you know she go look in the fucking mirror or anything <laughs> like he was he handled it well yeah should we stay back on topic yes did you have any other technology that you want to talk about uh just the soundtrack i yes super enjoyed it it was uh that's kind of a we've talked about it before Nowadays, it's almost a lost art that's kind of coming back in a way where movies really will use the soundtrack to help tell their story. And I thought Sofia Coppola, whoever picked the music, did an excellent job. Yeah, it was probably Sofia Coppola. Yeah, just had a bunch of good songs. And like you even pointed out, the one song was from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So it kind of like took me back. Yeah, I definitely liked all the music. And this this movie reused one of the songs very well. Mm Mm-hmm. I wrote it down in my notes and I somehow cleared it, but it was, the band was Air. Oh, Playground Love. Playground Love. And it, honestly, they use that song as like pretty much instrumental Mm -hmm. parts of the movie. And then they played at the end. Yeah. They played at the beginning. It did have this kind of, it really went with the movie very well. It was kind of subtle and mysterious and interesting. No, it was really just a good soundtrack very underrated for all i know it was a super well-selling soundtrack but it was yeah it was good i think i downloaded some of the songs on kazaa or limewire i i know for sure it was definitely and i've talked about this before when i became really obsessed with soundtracks Mm -hmm. for movies because i just feel like they're they're amazing and then also whenever you listen to a soundtrack if it's a movie you really like it reminds you of the movie. So. It'll transport you to that scene. Right. Yeah, definitely. Was there anything else in this soundtrack? Or <laughs> In the technology? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that was all I had. Okay. So let's move on to kids would call it a throwback. We call it the prime of our teens. This is the category where we talk about fashion, dated references. Obviously, this movie is made, it was made in the 90s, but... '74. So, what did you notice as far as 70s? I noticed some uh, sweet bell bottoms. Yes. Uh, which always are some nice ones. Uh, the other one was, I did notice someone wearing a puka shell necklace. Which He, I know who you're talking about. Yes. And I think that was the one character that had every 70s mm-hmm. stereotype clothing on him. Yes. Because before he showed up, which... He doesn't show up. It's Trip. We'll talk about the actor who portrays him yes. in just a minute in the next category. Mm-hmm. But we'll at least say it's his name's Trip Vontaine. 
or Fontaine. Le- Fontaine. And he is just this walking 70s stereotype. He's got gold aviators. Mm-hmm. He had the floppy hair, which I want to say was a wig. It looked too... It looked bad. It looked. It didn't look great. Yeah. A lot of the guys' haircuts looked a little weird, mm-hmm. but... Oh, I think it was easier for the girls in the movie, so it was just like flat, straight, straight blonde hair. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. But yeah, um, I, I didn't think about that, but that would make sense if it was a wig that he was wearing. Yeah. And then at one point, the narrator, because there's a narrator throughout this whole movie... Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be an older one of. I'm guessing one. They never actually say who he is, but he's one of the four boys that become obsessed with the girls. Yeah. There's a lot of guys in this movie, but there's the four main boys mm-hmm. that are the ones that. And spoiler alert: at the end of the movie, are the ones that discover some bodies. Yeah. In their house, in the girls' house, but the narrator talks about the girls' homecoming dresses mm-hmm. and how. Their mom made them look like sacks. Yeah. And, but it, it seemed like when they all went to the dance, it seemed like most of the girls, the extras were wearing almost the exact same dresses. Yeah. Occasionally you'd see one with like a better color Mm because there were, all the Lisbon girls were wearing white dresses with flowers on them, which was very, probably 70s was the style. They just reminded me of like pajamas though. Yeah, they did look pajamas. But I agree with you like they didn't look like sacks. No. Like they were cut to like be fitting their Especially forms Especially like bit. Kirsten Dunst's character Lux like thought hers was yeah. fine. It was a little loose on them, but they weren't yeah. they didn't look bad and like you pointed out when they go to the homecoming dance, everybody's wearing real similar stuff. Yeah. And then did you have any other fashion? Back to our puka shell boy. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He wore a sweet crushed velvet suit to homecoming yeah. that would have made Austin Powers jealous. It was <laughs> really nice. That was one of the other ones that I noticed. That was during homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. Did you have any offensive jokes or dated references? I will say I did not pick up on any offensive jokes or anything like that. The only thing I did notice, there was a scene where they just kind of, they don't really focus on it even. There's like an end table right inside the Lisbon's house where they have bronzed baby shoes for all the kids. I did I did notice that when uh, Trip was leaving the house when he yeah. went over to watch TV, kind of like courting Lux mm-hmm. a little bit. And it was just, I mean, that's something I think our grandparents would have done or maybe yeah. our parents, but I don't think our generation's is bronze and baby shoes. My, I think my parents did it with my brother, but I don't think I have any because yeah. the second second and third kids, they don't get as much oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, no, no. We get passed over. <laughs> or nobody's. I don't need to take 80,000 pictures of you because you're like the third baby. <laughs> uh, what did you notice as far as dated references? Or Just anything? some... Things that were said, uh, Trip said you're a stone fox, which I think is obviously something people would say in the 70s, not mm-hmm. so much in the 90s. And then he also said, watch the tube. <sighs> He's the only thing that made me think it was 70s. Even the girls' clothing before the homecoming dance and stuff, it it was fine, but I think it's because the 90s had a, like a resurgence of kind of 70s clothing. Yeah. It didn't look too dated or any anything like that. No, that's a good point. So. Some of the other ones that I noticed was there was a scene where, like, Tripp was talking to, I think it might have been his dad. I could be wrong. But there was pots on the stove. Uh-huh. And the pot was, like, I think it might have been kind of like a fondue pot or something. And it had flowers on it. Oh, yeah. And it definitely rem- reminded me of the pans and like ceramic dishes that my mom and aunt still have to this yeah. day and i was just like oh, my, that took me back. my mom definitely had some of those it's a good dish yeah if it still works Use why it. replace it why replace it which is a good way to look at things yeah unless it's completely outdated or is being held up by like duct tape or something yeah yeah then you gotta replace it <laughs> which it's not no do you want to move on then yes awesome Move on to our next category, the one that we like to go, well, hello there. It's a uh, category where we talk about any cameos or famous or recognizable actors or actresses we may have forgot were in the film, and there was a bunch. There was. Uh, The first one I want to say, because I don't know if you noticed this, but I looked it up, the narrator? I did notice. Oh. Did you look it up? I did. Oh, damn. Because I was like, who's that? He sounds so familiar. 
It's Giovanna Ribsy. 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 Yeah. How are you saying it on the God in 60 Ribisby. A Ribisby? <laughs> I think I gave him a V. You gave him a and an extra I in there? Yeah, I gave it a whole extra syllable. Way more syllables. Yeah. Then, yeah. I never realized he was the narrator voice. And oh. I've seen this movie like seven times. Yeah. The first one I picked up on was We've Talked About Him. Trip Fontaine, superstar actor Josh Hartnett. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was. That was the prime of his career, I would say. Yeah. I mean, maybe not the prime, but the beginning of the prime. Beginning, yeah. Like when he was just in. It seemed like he was in everything. Yeah, he's he was blowing up till like 2002. Yeah, for sure. And then I know he still acts, so I'm not gonna be like, oh, he doesn't act, but he's not. As mainstream as he was, I yeah. guess would be the nice way of saying it. I know he did a uh, Penny Dreadful. He still acts. Yeah, he's still he's still an actor, but he's not the draw that he was when yeah. he was younger, for sure. Mm-hmm. Really, honestly, the first one I noticed was there's a character named Paul, and he had slick back hair, and mm-hmm. he was one of the kids that the four main boys talked to a lot, and he was kind of in their group, and... He had said he discovered he was he said he had, he was the one that discovered Cecilia's body in the very beginning. Yeah. Like that she had slit her wrist in the bathtub, spoiler alert. But his name is Robert Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. He was in Princess Diaries. Oh. And he's brother to Jason Schwartzman, which oh. means he's related to Sofia Coppola because he's like his her cousin. Oh, I never knew Jason Schwartzman yeah, was related to Sofia Coppola. Yeah, he's related to the Coppola. Oh. His oh, mom okay. is a... Uh, Am I going to blow your mind right now? I think you're going to. His mom, mom is Talia Shear? Shire? I don't think I know who Talia who Shire is. Who is Adrian from Rocky. No kidding. Yeah, that's their mom. Okay. Am I just blowing your mind right now? I Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, some of the other ones that I noticed were not so... There was an appearance by everyone's favorite actor... Hayden Christensen. Yes. There's no reason. He's so he young be. and yeah. baby looking, yeah. which is crazy because when did... He wasn't in them until like 02 was that's, the first one he was in. Three, that's like three or four years later yeah. and I guess puberty. Yeah. But, but he, uh, everyone's favorite Star Wars actor. He did nothing to ruin the franchise. You know what though? Just such a good actor. He was in a show before... Uh, Star Wars called uh-huh. Higher Ground. And I want to say A.J. Cook is in it, who is one of the sisters. Yes. And it was about, like, these delinquent kids that went to a camp. And I want to say it was on the Family Channel. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was called at the time. I think it was called the Family Channel. Or Fox Family. Yeah, even. it would have been one of those. It changed, like, 30 times. Now it's freeform. Yes. And it was called Higher Ground, and it was, like, they went to a camp, there were delinquents... And it was on for like two seasons, I believe. And I had the biggest crush on him from that show. So when he got cast as Anakin Skywalker, I was you like, happy. yes, but then boy, it wasn't great. No, <laughs> it wasn't great. You, you did mention uh, AJ Cook, who yes. I recognize from. She's in one of my favorite craptastic movies that we might have to review at some one point. Out Cold. Out Cold, yes. Yeah, that's she the... was like the main person, right? Uh, or I mean the main girl. Main girl, yeah. Yeah. I get her confused with, what's that one actress? Like, maybe Bonnie Somerville. Uh, they kind of have similar looks. Yeah, I can I see know. that. But definitely uh, A.J. Cook. Uh, Danny DeVito was mm-hmm. in a small part. He played Cecilia's psychologist, I guess. Yeah, yeah, psychologist. Well, after she tried to commit suicide the first time mm-hmm. and wasn't successful, he had a small part in it. Uh, who else? The parents. Superstar actor James Wood plays Mr. Lisbon, who I've gotten to the point in my life, whenever I hear his voice, I just think of Hades. (laughs) Which is just weird, because, I I mean, James Woods has been in a ton of things, but that's where my mind goes when I hear him. That's true. Or or I think of James Woods on Family Guy. Yeah, James Woods, hi. Uh, And... Kathleen Turner As plays mom. Mrs. Libsyn. Mm-hmm. Libsyn's. I cannot talk. <laughs> I'm like slurring my speech. Yeah. I promise we did not drink before no, we did this. I've just yeah. been drinking water today. Yeah. The youngest daughter, Cecilia, was played by an actress 
named Hannah Hall, who I thought looked familiar, and you said looked mm-hmm. familiar. And I looked her up, and she played the young Jenny in Forrest Gump. So basically, the girl that says, run, Forrest, run, which is one of the most iconic lines. In cinema. Yeah. Yeah. So. That ex- yeah. I don't know why I went before we rewatched this movie, because it, it had been a few years. I don't know why I thought the girl was, the Cecilia part was played by Misha Barton for some. Oh. But I think it's because I confused that with, like, The Sixth Sense. Which she kind of looked similar. She was like this blonde girl in a nightgown, and that's but what I pictured. I think I was confusing them. Did you Misha Barton's in the Sixth Sense? <laughs> yes, she plays the little girl <laughs> that's like my throwing mind up and. Uh, <sighs> oh. When's the last time you saw that movie? Nineteen ninety nine. Okay. <laughs> you just blew my mind. Uh, okay, Misha. Yeah, Barton. she plays like the little girl that he sees, and she's like throwing up because I don't. Know. Yeah. I don't really remember that movie. I just remember that part thinking it was really creepy because kids creep me out and like ghost kids creep me out. So yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Any ghost kid. (laughs) (laughs) I just said kids creep me out. (laughs) Kids creep me out. Saw my nephew the other day. Give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I think that's all I had. Yeah. That's all I had as well. Awesome. There was quite a few though. Yeah. I will say that. And it was one of those movies like when you pick the movie, the only person I could place in my head in this movie was Kirsten Dunst. She's so on the cover. Everyone else was a surprise to me. That's true. So I wasn't su- I wasn't surprised by James Woods and Kathleen Turner. I had remembered them, so I didn't write them down. But okay, I can see how you could because you didn't watch the movie nearly as much as I did. No, 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 no. Should we move on to? Is yes. it even good? Yes. Where we talk about the plots and casting choices and we talk about our funniest and cringiest line, which is going to be hard to find a funniest line because this movie is not meant to be funny. It's not meant to bring happiness to your heart. (laughs) It's mostly supposed to make you feel like shit. And it does. It does. (laughs) It does a good job at that. Yeah. Um, What did you think about the plot? I thought the plot was super believable that... A family could lose one of their children and then become super overprotective yeah. of their other remaining children. So that I thought was, I'm like, that's something that could happen now. So I didn't think it was a stretch. I thought it was a good plot. It's kind of depressing to think about. Yeah. But it was, a, it was well done. I thought it, there was no point where I was like, ah, there, there wasn't plot holes to me or anything like that. I thought it was well done. I agree. Um, I did write something because it had been a while since I'd seen the movie, like I said. I had written down early on the movie that I didn't quite understand how strict the parents were because in the beginning of the movie, up until Homecoming, they're really not that strict. Obviously, <laughs> they're religious. Their house is covered in crosses. Yeah. They're Catholic. They're, they are super religious. The mother seems to be way more tightly wound than the dad who kind of just goes with the flow. Yeah. He just lets her decide everything and he's like, I'm just gonna go to work. And... Yeah, you gotta talk to her mom type yeah. of dad. I feel like at the beginning you don't really understand how one of the daughters could kill themselves for their parents being so strict. So it didn't to me it didn't quite add up. And it wasn't until later in the movie when Lux is at homecoming. Mm-hmm. She misses her curfew. She comes home in the morning. Yeah. And that's when, like, her mom kind of goes crazy and tightens the reins, pulls them out of school. I mean, I can't understand why they would choose to do that instead of, like, run away. But at the same time, I understood where they felt like they were being oppressed by their parents and where they didn't know where their lives were going to be because their mom essentially lock them yeah. in their rooms forever. She became super overprotective. But it wasn't, I don't know, it was very subtle because it wasn't like parents were like beating them. Mm-hmm. The fa- They seemed to like their parents. Yeah. But I think they just, at the end of the day, their mom was really old school. Mm-hmm. And they were growing up in a time where women were becoming more free to be who they were and they weren't so much proper. Mm-hmm. And obviously their mother didn't like that. And Lux was like the embodiment of... Yeah. Rebellion. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't know. What did you think about the casting choices? 
I thought the casting choices were really good when I took into consideration, like, the ages. I know, like, Kristen Dunst, I think, was portraying someone that was 15. but 14. she 14. So, mm-hmm. and she was closer to probably 16 or 17 as far as filming. But you could see, like, facially the age discrepancy between the kids. Like, you know, this one's this age, and you could see how each one was a little bit older. Yeah. So I didn't have any issues with that. And the only thing I felt was that the group of boys, some of them seemed like they were like 11 years old. The one that was really short, I think he was just short. Yeah, but he looked so, so it was kind of weird that he was so obsessed with these girls, which one of them was like 17. Yeah. And older. And I was like, you're like, he looked really young. He did. He looked like. The shorter one looked like he was probably more Cecilia's age. Yeah. But then there's a scene at the high school where he's at his locker mm-hmm. and he's talking to Mary, which is the uh, one AJ played by A.J. Cook, and she was the second oldest. oldest. Yeah. Because I wrote him down. Yeah, no. that. So that didn't really make sense. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think he was just supposed to be short. I think, I honestly think all the boys were supposed to be around the same age, probably like 15, 16. And they were just obsessed with their neighbors who were literally they had five girls in five years which is insane yeah it's a Ooh. lot of children push one out make another one yeah inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> i agree i think kirsten Dunst has a enough of a youthful face to portray i believe that she's 14 because mm-hmm. she is supposed to be this girl that matured way too soon in a way and she's the least innocent out of all of them yeah. as far as like boys and smoking smoking yeah. and doing drugs and stuff so i think that's believable it's just, it's just weird how they they almost o- only focus on her mm-hmm. they mainly yeah there a couple of the other sisters aren't very word, well developed as no. far as like characters uh what was your funniest moment I, like you said it's kind of hard to find a moment in this movie because it's not like <laughs> But there was this scene where the narrator's talking about, like, it was towards the beginning, and they're talking about this kid named Dominic Porter, who they show him walking down the street, which he's walking, like, with, like, a bounce in his step. Like, he's John Travolta. Yeah, he's like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, or he's one of the Bee Gees. And they're talking about how uh, to profess his love and denounce God, he jumps off the roof of a house, and he, like, opens up his window, he jumps off. He lands in like a bush. He just gets up and then just walks away. And he's doing his Bee Gees walk. Which... I literally wrote that exact moment. Ah, that because was... honestly, that was the only there. I mean, there was a couple times where when it was still kind of lighthearted, mm-hmm. but it gets dark very quick because Cecile attempts suicide for the second time and actually successful yeah. very soon in the movie. So it gets pretty depressed and pretty quick yeah no it does take a real dark turn so that was a kind of a fun moment yeah because he's just strutting yeah and i looked up that kid Uh uh-huh you couldn't see his face but i just when i was looking up the cast he had a picture because Mm -hmm. a lot of the boys in their little group Mm -hmm. with the exception of the actor that i can't find his name i was just talking about him it's something tucker Jonathan Tucker. Jonathan Tucker, because I was just telling you that he, he's actually in the new Charlie's Angels movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's very um, consistently acted. But the kid that plays Dominic, which is that kid that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I, I looked him up and he's on Arrow. Oh. Yeah. I didn't really reckon. I mean, he looks familiar, but he doesn't, he's not like super duper famous, but he is on Arrow and let's see here. Oh, I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia, and he was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yes. Yeah. I don't know who you played on Scott Pilgrim. Elevator Hipster. Yeah. So, not huge a big, part. Huge part. Huge, pivotal role yeah. for that movie. But, yeah, I mean, he still acts. Literally, most of the kids that were in the main group of boys, mm-hmm. they their only acting credit is this movie. Oh, wow. So, Yeah. And you know what? I'll say a lot of them had a face that looks familiar to me. So it's interesting. You're like, no, they the one kid I thought looked like I literally did. I, I don't know if I ever noticed it before. He looks like a young John Cusack. Like yeah. A, the one kid I was just like, is he somehow related to him? <laughs> What's going on? So what was your cringiest 
line or moment? I'll let you go first because <laughs> what if by some chance we have the same one? So what there was wasn't your honestly there wasn't a lot of things to choose from because I think this movie honestly doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Mm-mm. There's a lot of visual moments. Yeah, there was. They're in the home. Uh, they're going to homecoming. They're in the car, mm-hmm. and it's Hayden Christensen's character says it but lux is smoking a cigarette and she does a smoke ring and he's like don't let it die a virgin and he pokes it and breaks it Ugh. and i was like Great. god and it, all the girls were like that's gross <laughs> i'm like that is gross that is but honestly that was the the cringiest thing and it wasn't M- even that bad mine really wasn't even cringy so much as it was like douchebaggiest moment which is after homecoming trip and Lux hook up on the football field. Yeah. And he just leaves her there. And I love that because he's, like, so obsessed with her. And yeah. then the minute he has her, he's like, I'm done. And he, they even cut an adult version. Right. Of him talking about it. And he was like, I didn't care how she got home. Well, then she goes home. Her parents lose their minds and pull them out of school. And it kind of sets it up. Yeah. Like, we don't know for sure if they've been planning this for a while. If mm-hmm. this, Or if, you know, because of that moment is when they decide that they're going to all end their lives. But it's possible. And you can tell. And I guess that's the reason why they show adult trip. Mm-hmm. Is because maybe he feels like he blames himself. And he's definitely in therapy or something. He's in therapy or, like, rehab or something. Like, his yeah. life hasn't gone great. No. Since then. But I I did feel like that whole thing of talking to Future Trip a couple times, I don't know why I felt like it was out of place because they don't show anybody else. Yeah. It's not like in, uh, in other movies, say, that they talk to multiple people. Mm-hmm. It's literally just him. Yeah. And then the narrator, point. obviously is talking in past tense like it's the wonder years but more depressing but (laughs) yes (laughs) it's but yeah i don't know i just thought it was a little out of place Mm -hmm. but at the same time i guess it did show that he was affected by their deaths as well yeah i don't know is there anything else you wanted to talk about as far as that is the movie or that's all i had as far as like you said there wasn't a ton to like go that was cringy or that like it's wasn't cringy it wasn't a lot of cringiness going on yeah it was like douchebag of the year right there yeah it it was uh definitely something i took away i think when you're younger your parents kind of teach you like don't give it away yeah and that kind of reaffirmed it yeah keep your flower yeah and which is an antiquated notion anyway but Mm -hmm. When you see it happen occasionally, you're like, damn. I think I can see how this could go badly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Are you ready to move on to award season? I am. Okay. And as always on our podcast, it is award season, and we give out two awards every week. The first is the valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. Who did you give your award to? I gave mine to two people. Oh. Because... I couldn't tell which one was which half the time. Okay. And that was Bonnie and Therese. I kind of figured that's where you were going once you said you gave it to two people. (laughs) Because they were the two sisters. Bonnie was the 15-year-old sister. Mm -hmm. Therese is the 17-year-old sister. Mm -hmm. And they don't really have a lot of lines. They're kind of just fill out the group. It's really all about Lux, about Kirsten Dunst in Mm in this movie. I think the only other reason Mary, which is A.J. Cook's character, stood out was because I knew who A.J. Cook was. And she does have a couple of lines. Yeah. But the other two, they just kind of just are like filler people. And I think in the book, because I have read the book, all the characters are way more developed. And obviously you can do that in a book better. Yeah. And it doesn't help that the story is not through their eyes. It's through... One of the boys. The One of the boys, so... There's going to be stuff that's missing. Mm -hmm. And they focus on Lux, I think, because she was, like, the sexy, the the one that they knew a lot about because she went out with boys. And sorry, I hit the mic again, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't done it yet, so it was only a matter of time. But they barely had any lines, and that's honestly the only reason I give it to them. I think they were essential because I think the fact the number of sisters and 
them all killing themselves is what makes the movie so heart-wrenching almost. But I just feel like in the movie they were very non-essential. Yeah. They could have been filled by anybody. And one of the actresses is related to Dominic Swain. Yeah. I think the one that played Bonnie. But But you bring up an excellent point. They were such underutilized and underdeveloped characters. They focus on Mary, Lux, and Cecilia. They, They don't... These ones they could have opted to leave out of the film... And it wouldn't have hurt the film. It wouldn't. It would probably like piss up said, anybody that was a fan of the movie yeah. or the book, though. But like you said, like the only thing it does really is drive home the fact that, hey, five sisters killed themselves. Like, yeah. Yeah, they were... I kind of narrowed it down to those two, and mm-hmm. I was going to do that, and then I went the opposite way because I just don't like him, and I gave it to Josh Hartnett. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I think he's so robotic... And they're supposed to play this charming, and he does it a little bit. He's a little charming at times, but I'm like, you lack charisma. I get, I see Which is why I think he ended up not being a thing (laughs) in life. So I kind of, I went the Josh Hardnett route, and I got to kick him while he's down, because I'm a jerk. Uh, Like uh, we said, he's not super down. He still works. No, he still works, but he's he's I mean, you can only be a teen heartthrob for a little while. It'd be weird if you were still a teen heartthrob when you were like 45. He's not 45, but... There's that girl that was on uh, Saved by the Bell and Pretty Little Liars who's, she's like pushing 50 playing a teenager. Oh, uh, I can't remember her name. I don't remember her name either, but yeah. So I I just, I I think they could have got somebody better to play that role because I think that character is supposed to be charming and he, um, in my opinion, ruins these girls' lives. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, get somebody better. His character frustrates me. I think in the book he's more, kind of more of a a dick and more charming, and you get why all these girls are obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. But in in this, he just seemed like yeah, girls liked him, but he, the only person he cared about was Lux. And then the minute he got her, he was just like, meh. And he also he didn't. There's movies where you can kind of see like, hey, he's gonna be a jerk later. He doesn't really give you that impression. No, because he's all sad and I. I think his two dads i think that's what they were trying yeah. to say he had two dads like we're talking talk giving him a pep talk on how to ask her out yeah. and curveball he's a prick yeah he's just like all the other boys that just want to get in her pants yeah not cool yeah. we'll move on to our thomas j hanks award for exceptional acting who was your pick i pick gave the same person huh i said i feel like we're gonna pick the same person probably I picked Kirsten Dunst. There is actors out there that it's unfortunate that I don't see that much of their acting. So I forget how good of actors they are. Yeah. And I would put her in that boat because like there's a time period where I saw some of her movies. I saw this and I saw Dick and Bring It On and I enjoyed them. And then all of a sudden they'll do like one movie that I don't like and it sours me on them. And yeah. in this case it was called Spider-Man 3. And so you forget like there was a reason like they were cast in a lot of roles and they were a big thing for a while. And she definitely was fantastic in this. Yeah. So she was the most enjoyable part and depressing part too at the fact like she's like the scene where she's talking to those boys when they come to like sneak them out of the house and she's so cool, like, yeah, come on inside. And she just goes off and kills herself while knowing that her sisters have already done it. Yeah. And she's, I'm like, ooh, you are like a stone-cold serial killer. A little bit, but also I didn't notice. And all the times I watch this movie, I've never noticed. But when she turns back to the kid to look at him, when she's walking away, she has, like, tears in her eyes. And I never noticed it. I picked up on that, yeah. Because I just... I kind of forgot that her sisters had pretty much already killed themselves, and she was kind of the last one. Yeah. Just opening the door for these boys to go. Also, by the way, it's fucked up. Yeah. Like, why did you do that to these boys? These boys that were like, nice were and you, cared about you. Were you thinking that in a way they would free you and discover you because maybe you thought your parents wouldn't tell the truth about what happened to them? Or would... I don't know. It's it's just weird that they would do that to the boys. Yeah, or maybe so they were fucked up. Maybe they resented the boys because the boys had all this freedom and they chose it to be obsessed with them. 
I don't know. It's it's fucked up. The older I get, I realize it, it is really fucked up that you invited all these guys over. Yeah. They're thinking they're just going to, you know, maybe run away with you guys. Yeah. And you're like, nope. Discover all of our dead bodies. Yeah, come find someone hanging. Yeah. Find someone with their head in an oven. Like, Which is obviously... I think the narrator mentions it, that they're still slightly obsessed with this and the mysteriousness of it. And they have this picture of the girls in their head. It's almost like when a celebrity dies at a young age. Mm -hmm. They're just forever encapsulated in that moment of being perfect, almost. Yeah, that'd be a good way to describe it. They don't go through life and have ups and downs as much, so you just always remember them for being... I guess on top. Yeah. And I think that's how they got, they put these girls on a pedestal when they're just girls. Yeah. That they were definitely, that's a good way to describe it is they were definitely, were not put on a pedestal by these group of boys. Like they idolized them and yeah. were obsessed with them. Right. I also picked Kirsten Dunst if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. But again, honestly, there wasn't that much to choose from in the sense that they didn't focus so much on, on very many people. It was basically all about Lux. Yeah. And so I think she got the most opportunities to show like her range of emotions and her wild side and her vulnerable side. And mm-hmm. I just, it's, yeah. No, she was definitely the star and the focal point. Definitely. That's why she's on the... DVD case. Pretty much. Poster yeah. thingy. <laughs> DVD case. <laughs> poster thingy Ugh, i'm sick of talking okay should we move on to our final thoughts yes we shall so what do you what do you think i definitely thought it held up i didn't think it was there was really no part of the movie where i was like oh this this is questionable like no they do a good job at establishing themselves in the time period where it's set in the writings could be better i think could be like a, they could develop more of these characters they could have they actually kept it really closely to the book i was looking up something because i remembered there was a part of the book that it didn't like they changed in the movie mm-hmm. and i was trying to remember it so i looked it up and like, a lot of the dialogue is from the book it like sofia coppola did a very good job about keeping it very close to the source material mm-hmm. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no no um, but the one part that they did change was at the end, when all the girls commit suicide, Mary mm-hmm. actually lives. Oh. And so there's, like, this last chapter of her surviving, and she's at home by herself. And so they really develop her as a character, and then then she ends up killing herself at the end of the book. They, I think time restraints and stuff, like, they were just like, yeah, we're just going to have them... All do it together. Yeah. So do you think it holds up? I do. I thought it held up really well. Like, I think more so than any movie that we've watched, there's been ones where I'm like, this is clear cut. Mm -hmm. This is either a shit show. This one here was the complete opposite, where it's like, okay, this is clear cut. This is just a really good movie. It it really is. It's it's well done. And I agree that it does hold up. It's kind of timeless because it is set. Yeah. In the 70s. And it's just got this like hauntingly beautiful setup Mm -hmm. and and honestly the source material and the premise of the book is pretty timeless too yeah definitely so we agree yeah good movie yeah it was a good movie i like it still enjoy it thoroughly so go us yeah as always consider throwing us a review and a subscribe on itunes yeah And also, tell them to share with their friends and family. There you go. (laughs) I'm just reading off the thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you like us, which I know some of you do, because you've told us. Yes. Which is super nice. We appreciate it. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. I don't know why I'm talking like that. I don't know why you're talking like that, because it definitely is nice to know that we have some fans out there that really enjoy the podcast. And we appreciate anyone telling us that. Also, we always ask if you think of a movie you'd like to possibly watch us give a review to go ahead and shoot us a message on any platform yes i I look at those things yes uh we are on the instagrams at ruining our childhood Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) god we're both yawning like crazy 
I think I need coffee. Yes, um, we do. We're also on Facebook at Ruining Our Childhood. And then over on the Twitter at the ROC Movie Podcast. Yes. And yeah, I think that's it, guys. Bye. I hope, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, guys. We want to talk to you a little bit about the PodCoin app. Yes. The PodCoin app, it pays you to listen to Ruining Our Childhood, as well as your other favorite podcasts. You can use the PodCoin you earn to claim gift cards for some of your favorite stores. What? Starbucks? Check. Amazon? Correct. Target? Seriously, guys, this is pretty legit. Join the PodCoin app today on iPhone or Android, and I said join, but yeah. I meant download. You've got to download And it. use code RUINING to get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. That's 300 PodCoin for using R-U-I-N-I-N-G. That's how you spell ruining, just in case you don't know that. Yes. So if you're basically listening to podcasts all day anyways while you're working or driving or doing anything, might as well make some money off the deal. Am I right? Yeah, totally. I mean, free coffee for something you're already doing sounds awesome. Fantastic. It does sound fantastic. <laughs> Take a shot. So go give the PodCoin app a try today. And also don't forget to listen to Ruining Our Childhood and make some money, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.